0: It doesn't come with trials or hardships, but we really love our church. And the reason why we love our church, not the building, you, is because we think that we have pretty amazing people at Authentic Church. And so uh, we are blessed by you. Uh, we started a brand new series last week. Uh, if you were here last week, we started a brand new series called James. Now, it's very like simple James, because James is actually a book in the New Testament of the Bible, and we decided to take five weeks to go through the book of James. Now, I know we could go 15 weeks in it, but we decided to do five and take a a, a section of Scripture per chapter to encourage. So last week... We started off, we learned about James. James is actually writing to a bunch of persecuted believers who were scattered because of being flogged, being put in jail, uh, because they were preaching the way, they were getting stoned, they were getting hurt. And James comes in and says, hey, all the opposition in your life is an opportunity for God to use you and show up in your life. And so last week we learned how we can get through what we're going through. Who was encouraged last week to endure whatever they were going through? I'm glad that you were. If you're like, Sean, I missed it. I'm going through some stuff. I want to endure. I don't want to escape what God has for me. Authentic IL YouTube. The future is now. You can watch that on there. Check it out. This week, we're going to continue on. And we also started on Monday reading James together as a church. So I'm gonna put that up there for you. You're like, Sean, it's too late. It's been five or six days. You can still jump in. Even if you go through it this summer, you'll still be unified with our church. If you're joining us today and this is new to you, hey, you can make that decision. But we as people who call authentic church or home church, we're trying to challenge our church to say, hey, we're gonna read through the book of James together. So you can find it on the U Version Bible app. Look up the plan journal James. There's a Devo each day and a scripture, and we're going through it. It's never too late. We read the scripture, we observe the scripture, how can we apply it, and we ask the Holy Spirit to help us, and we pray that we can begin to do that in our life. So we have been doing that. Listen, I gotta say this. The devil is not scared of a big church. He's scared of a united church. And so when we do this as a church, I believe God works together as we do that. So you can go ahead and jump on that if this is your first time joining us, or maybe you missed last week. There you go. Now we're gonna jump into James 2. James 2. Two. Everyone say James two. Say part two. two. Next week is part three of Stranger Things. I mean James. James chapter three. Who's ready? July fourth, guys. Anyway, so like Sean, this is church. We don't talk about Stranger Things. All right, James two. I'm sorry. Just bear with me. Now let me tell you something about James real fast. Uh, Don't put it up there yet because I got to tell him something real fast. Have you ever gone to a party? and you invite your friends and before your friend gets there you have to explain to your other friends about the friend coming (laughs) right like hey just want to tell you something about my boy before he gets here he's a little intense like he's a little crazy can I tell you about my boy James before we read James 2? Is it all right? Can I t- let me just explain to you. Let me just talk to you about James. Uh, James uh, is blunt. James doesn't pull any punches. He doesn't sugarcoat anything. James is my kind of guy. This is Sean. <laughs> Enter Sean. We, he tells it, the truth, lets it go, lets it fly, and lets it rest. But here's his heart. He knows God loves us. He knows God cares, and he knows, listen, that children of God are disciplined by God. And so when we are disciplined by God, we should actually rejoice knowing that God calls us children. Discipline is just a sign that we're his children, and he's got better for us. And so James pulls no punches. So we're going to enter James into this party. I just want to let you know James is coming, all right? And so here we go. This is what James says. We're going to go James 2, starting in verse 14. And by the end of this message, we're going to be in 26, but I'm going to break it down for you just because it's that straight up. And I think we need to breathe after he says some things. James, starting in verse 14. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give the person any food or clothing. What good does that do? Our church is actually really good at this, by the way, at helping those in need. Appreciate you guys. Verse 17. So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Thank you, James. Let's pray now to recover from that and ask God to give us strength to continue on. Lord, we thank you so much for this day. Thank you again for this word. Lord, we come to your word expecting you to speak to us. Lord, your Bible is not just a book that is read by us, but when we read it, It reads us. And so we pray, Father God, that we would look inside and realize that even challenging words are words that bring us closer to your glory, to look like Christ. And we want to be the best we can be at pleasing you. We know we fall short. We know we mess up. And we know we need your grace. So Lord, let your grace fill this place right now as we learn how to begin to have a living faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone say amen. Amen. If you're new to church, when people say amen, it means this. So be it. I agree with you, Sean, got you. You can just be like, word, if you want to, that's fine. And everyone said, word. Uh, So (laughs) now I'm not going to let that one down. Uh, so my, my parents, uh, were in Chicago a few years ago, and they were actually, uh, just taking the weekend getaway, and actually, uh, someone blessed Liz and I, and we were actually in Chicago at the same time, and we decided, since my parents were there and we're there, that we wanted to meet up with them, and so we decided to meet, meet up with them, and, and they were actually on Michigan Avenue, where all the shopping was, they're older, they have more money, we were not staying in that area, so, uh, (laughs) So we went to go visit them, and when we pulled into the hotel uh, lobby, my dad already had a Mac bag in his hand. Now, not makeup Mac, right? My dad's not into that. Uh, he had a Apple bag, a white bag with the Apple on it, and I was like, he already made it to the Apple store. And so I was like, Dad, what did you get? And at this time, the new iPads came out. It was like the iPad shoes that had significantly different operating systems, and I just lost half of you there. And, uh, and so he's like, oh, I just got you and your mom and I some new iPads, and I was like, oh, like... You know those times where, like, you're excited for them, but you're kind of mad at them, too? Because you won want, you want an iPad, like, right? So I was like, that's awesome. I was excited for him. They work hard. He deserves it. Like, go do that thing. That's awesome. And so they had iPads, and they brought them home. And sure enough, my mom was that person, right? Like, she would be at different, like, things that my sister's doing or, or, or everybody else, and she would be taking pictures, like, on her iPad, like, and like running video, it's like, lady, put your iPad down. I'm videoing my grandkids, shut up. You know, was like, she was not that mean. But anyways, and sure enough, every time I saw her, they'd be on their iPads doing things. And, and throughout the couple months, as I got there, she got a new phone. And as I began to visit her house, I would realize that her iPad would be in the same place in her house, collecting dust, a lot like our Bibles. Anyway, so they, I just thought with James, you know, like I could just continue on. <laughs> anyways, it would just collect dust. I would keep visiting. And, uh, and it would just sit there, and I would come back, and there it is again in the same place, not being used, and just sitting there. And, and I thought to myself at the same stage in life, you don't, may not know this, but I, I'm preaching the word of God week in and week out. Our, we are portable. I'm like, God, I am preaching week in and week out. I am serving you by, by studying throughout the week, and, and I'm preaching off paper at this time. And paper gets annoying, and it's loud, and I get lost because I don't have the numbers on there. And i was like, God, I want to be the best communicator I can be. I need an iPad. That's what i need i need an ipad so i can read off and i remember at this time i couldn't afford it and i couldn't get one and i was really wanting an ipad and i would go to my parents house and i couldn't afford one or get one and i would go to my parents house and see one sitting by the bed collecting dust doing nothing can anyone can anyone kind of like understand my frustration (laughs) you know people who have things but don't use them like that kid in school that got a 33 on his act yet he's doing nothing with his life Like, the the person who has a boat but never takes it out on the water. Like, the iPad. You know what's worse than not having an iPad? Having an iPad and not using it. Like, that. what is worse than not having an iPad at all? Having one and not using it. Enter James. James wants the people to know, the believers of Christ in the church. He's saying, do you know what's worse than not having a faith at all? Having a faith and not using it. James says, "You know what's worse than just saying, I'm, "I'm an atheist, I have no faith, I don't believe it." He goes, "You know what's actually worse than that is someone who says they have faith, but they no one ever sees them acting out their faith. He says it's just like that that iPad. No, it's like very strong words, but in this moment, this is what James is speaking to us. Now, if you're here, remember the audience James is writing in. If you're new to faith and you are you know, you know got saved last week or the last two weeks and you're journeying, remember, it's, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's a process. But James is talking to people who lived and were part of the church. So I'm going to be saying some things that are pretty strong and pretty encouraging and pretty challenging. If you are new to this faith, you can kind of sit back and be like, I'm going to take a note of that. But man, he is ripping a new one, and those people who've been in here for a while. And it's just to remind people like me that the longer we sit in a church like this, it's easy to become dead. It's easy for our faith to become dead, the more comfortable we get. Because we know what, guys? Consistently, God's moving, but if we get too familiar, we'll sit there and forget that our faith will be dead. So, the name of this message is Dead or Alive. Don't forget the question mark. Dead or Alive, because it's the question Is my faith dead? Or is alive. And here's the hope. My hope today is even if you feel like your faith has gotten to the point of being dead and useless, that today, by the Spirit of God, God's going to resurrect some faith in this place. Who's expecting God to resurrect some faith in this place? Come on. We live with expectation. We live with faith. So as we move forward, I want you to understand this. I have to lay this foundation because this is the controversial part of this scripture. It was blunt, but here's the controversy. James is not saying uh, that we have got to add to our faith. This statement's really true. Put this statement up there for me, Skyward, please. Our actions don't make us right with God. Our actions show we are right with God. Huge to understand this. Because if you don't understand this, you're already trying to make a list of things you need to do to be on God's good side. Nothing we can do can make us right with God nothing we we sinned and because of that we were separated from god and nothing we can do we can go to church as much as we want we can be good do good deeds and have uh get you know brownie points with the man upstairs we can do all those things but you have to realize it was only by the paid blood of jesus christ on the cross that we put our faith in he paid our penalties so we could be brought back into relationship with god so what does that mean? It means that our works to try getting on God's good side, it says in scripture, are like filthy rags. It says our self-righteous acts, try and do good works for God to love us, doesn't work that way. So what works do save us? The works of Jesus Christ on the cross. This is good news, church. This means that we can go and mess up our life, the whole, our whole life, and in one moment say, God, I am sorry. Forgive me. I see what you've done for me, and you paid all of my sins on the cross, and in that moment, you speak that faith, and you can receive God's grace. He says, I forget your past. As far as the east is, from the west, I have thrown away your sin. I don't look at you as a sinner anymore. I look at you as a child of God who is grateful that God doesn't condemn us anymore, but he loves us and he cares for us james says this he says i am not saying your faith and actions make you right it's not adding to your faith if that's the case then why are we preaching the cross of jesus christ james is not saying that what james is saying because he's changed you because he set you free because he died for you because he did this great work let that deep down into your heart and it should result in actions that prove that Our actions should say we are free. Our actions should say we believe in the blood of Jesus. Our actions should say Jesus paid too high of a price for me to keep running back to that sin. Because sin is destructive, and I believe God actually has the right in store for me. So as James would say, don't let your faith be useless, not to add, not actions to adding to your faith, but to show that you've been saved by God. And so here's what we need to do. My encouragement today is this. If we want to stay alive physically, sometimes you have to battle some toxic and things in your body physically, right? So we're going to talk about some things that might hurt a little bit. But the effort is to keep our faith alive. And if your faith has been dead, here's ways that you can say, how do I resurrect this thing? How, what, what can we do to have a living faith? Our goal as a church is to have a living faith. Our goal as believers in Christ is to have a living faith. A faith that says our God lives, not our God is dead. Our God lives so the first thing that we need to understand is this if we want a faith that stays alive do what we hear do what we hear james i was struggling with this because i really wanted to preach out james 1 again because there's a scripture a passage of scripture in james 1 that's actually one of my favorite scriptures and it's really straight up but God is so good in his sovereign and his grace that he says, Sean, how about you just put both of those together in one sermon? I was like, absolutely, let's do this. And so James actually in chapter one actually encourages something that's similar to faith and actions and he is encouraging these believers to do what they hear. Here's how he puts it in James one, looking back at what James said, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. He says that if we hear the word and not do it, we deceive ourselves, the joke's on us. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away at once and forgets what he was like. So the word shows who we are in Christ. It reveals our identity. And when we don't apply it, we forget that we are Christ-like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of freedom, we're not talking about the Mosaic law in the Old Testament. We're talking about the grace and the law of Jesus the perfect law, the law of freedom or liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. He will be blessed, listen, in his doing. You want to be blessed? Be a doer. I just want God to bless me. Do what he says. How many people know if your kids want some popsicles after they listen to you, they need to do what you tell them to do? You want to be blessed with a popsicle? Do what they'd ask you to do. I, I'm here to reward those who earnestly seek me. That's what God wants us to know. How many people know there's a difference between hearing and listening? How many parents with kids know there's a difference between hearing and listening? You're welcome. My parents are like, thank you, pastor. This is why I came. This is what I'm here for. Tell them. They're sitting right next to me. All right. When your kid is playing Fortnite and dinner is ready and you say, hey, get off Fortnite. Dinner is ready. And they say, okay, and they never show up into the kitchen. Were they hearing or were they listening? <laughs> you guys understand it, right? When Avery, my daughter, is watching Paw Patrol and dinner's done, like, Avery, turn off Paw Patrol, please, and come into the kitchen and eat. And Avery goes, okay. And 45 seconds later, our house is not very big. I look into the living room and she's like, Avery. Avery. Turn off, up pulpit, right? There's a difference between listening and hearing. Hearing is, I heard you. We have a lot of people in the church that go, I hear you, Pastor. I hear you. Sunday was a good message. Oh, I gave it an eight. I did not preach this message for you to rate it. I preached it for you to live it. That's the name of the game. I'm gonna apply what Pastor asked me to do. Listen, I don't care if this message is a two. A three or an eight. Do you know how it becomes a 10? When the believers do what it says, watch God bless you. That's when it turns into a 10. Now, hearing and listening, right? So I was be like, what does listening mean? Avery turns off Paw Patrol. About once a week this happens. <laughs> turns off Paw Patrol, comes in. Hey, Daddy, I love you. Oh, right? Like, you can have as many popsicles as you want. You know what? Forget it. We're not even eating spaghetti. We're having cake for dinner, right? it's Like That's like, because she was listening i heard you see there's the church has a lot of people who are educated beyond their obedience podcasts now preachers now we get facebook messages that's good that you get encouraged by that and we become scavengers and listen to the word but the truth of the matter is we hear so much word on facebook how many times have we actually applied that word that we hear on facebook we are educated beyond our obedience and god's saying don't just listen do it why because then it'll be built up there's a difference between hearing and listening romans 10 17 says it this way so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god or the gospel of jesus christ faith is built up by hearing okay sean this isn't proving your point on what you just said listen faith is like a two-step process when you are in this environment right now your faith is being built up when you are at group throughout the week, your faith is being built up. When you are in your room or at your office or at your desk and you're reading your journal Bible at plan, James, when I'm praying in faith, that you're reading through that, you're building yourself up. When you are praying and listening to worship music and talking to God, you're, built, you're hearing the word of God. Someone's speaking life into you. Your faith is being built up. Listen, faith comes by hearing. So when we hear God's word, it builds our faith. Now listen, Hearing builds our faith, but when we do it, it shows our faith. A lot of us stop. Our faith is built up, but then we don't step out when God asks us to maybe pray for that person or maybe uh, reach out to that person, maybe give to that person in need, or maybe start serving in an area or whatever. We, We get built up, but he says only is your faith complete when you do it. It's like that person who gets jacked all the time, you know, before a game. Yeah, we're going to do it. It's going to be awesome. Can't wait. Or they talk a big game. Like, you know what I'm saying? You talk a big game about your boss. I remember those kids who always thought, like, I always want to get in a fight someday. I could get in a fight. I think I could take someone. I could do that, right? And then the opportunity arises and they're like, and they're like running away. That's what we look like. Yeah, like, forget the devil. He's dumb. I can't do that. Yeah, Monday comes. Aah. We're being built up to live it on Monday. Faith comes by hearing, so right now you're being built. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you are built up. But not just hearing the word. We build our faith up, and then we do it. So we need both. We need to do what's building ourselves up. I love what James says. He says, it's like the person who looks at the person who has no food, no clothing. He looks at him and says, oh, man, that's got to be a rough life. Um, You know what I would do if I was you? I would find some clothes, and I would find some food. I hope it works out for you. Have a good day. What does that look like in today's culture? Praying for you. Facebook, praying for you. (laughs) Can I be honest with you? People could care less if you're praying for them if your actions never show that you're praying for them. I'm not saying stop praying for them. Obviously, prayer works. We pray. We are praying church. One of our DNA is we seek first. We pray. But we pray to build faith to make sure we can meet the needs of our town praying for you, or I love my church, if we love our church, our actions should speak louder than our words. If we love our church, then we shouldn't be people who cause division in our church. We should be people who keep unity in our church. If we love our church, then we should be generous with our church. We should serve our, if if we love our church, if we love the people around us, right, it's proven by our actions. So faith comes by hearing. He says, don't just go praying for you. When you have a chance in the lobby and someone's hurting and they share their struggle with you in our church, don't be like, praying for you, new rule, authentic church, all right, ready? Stop, put your hand on their shoulder, say, I'm praying for you right now. Do not let that person leave until you pray for them right there. And then say, I'll keep praying for you. But the truth of the matter is, I am praying for you. And don't let it just stop there. If you can meet the need of the person you're praying for, do it we say praying for you because we don't want to be inconvenienced in our lives. I got to get to lunch. I got to go take care of myself. Maybe you need to go pay for their lunch and go home and have a peanut butter and jelly so they can enjoy one hot meal that you've had seven for the last week. He's saying, "Can we live like this? Can we live like?" He's challenging us to live a community of believers who look out. Now, how do we keep our faith alive? Okay, why is it important to do what we hear? How does this resurrect our faith? Here's how. My neighbor is retired. I'm going somewhere. My neighbor is retired john is his name he's incredible you guys know about john john mows my yard i feel bad that john mows my yard all right like he just got out of the ekgs and heart stuff and he's out in 90 degree weather mowing my yard i'm getting home from the office and he's mowing my yard and finally i'm like listen man i'm I'm glad that you mow my yard this is great why are you mowing my yard like you don't have to do that he goes no listen i'm retired First off, pray for us. Everyone on our block is, like, retired. So they mow their yard, like, three times a week. So I just have to, like, keep up. Like, I got to move forward. And, uh, and I was like, what does that have to do with things? I have a lot of friends who retire, and then they die because they sit and do nothing. They feel like there's no purpose. He says, for me, I like taking care of it. I got to stay active. I got to keep the blood rushing. I got to go because I want to live longer. I don't, want, I don't want to retire. I'm like, well, in that case, there's a backyard. You can take care of the house if you want to come. My wife set some stuff. is a to-do list. Here's her to-do list. You can go through it. You're, hey, I'm just doing this for you, John. I want you to live. I'm rooting you on. Just take care of our house. That's great. He looks. Like, but, but, but listen, like, uh, what was he saying? I think this is good for the people in the church. If you're not living your faith out, it's dying. If you are not taking the word on Sunday and applying it on Monday, your faith is dying. If you are reading God's word on any day of the week and you're not applying it, our faith is dying. I have to remind myself, hey, don't get a retire mentality. We don't retire until we're with Jesus, all right? But right now on earth, we have to let our faith say, you know what? I'm not going to be a false advertisement of a believer. If I say I'm a believer, I'm going to act like it. I'm going to talk like it. I'm going to live like it. And I'm going to aim to be like it. And he's saying, will you not retire and instead live like it? Don't, because the moment you stop and you retire, your faith will start dying. So what does that look like? If you're here today, don't just hear it. Even if it scares you, do it. Do something scripture's asking you to do and it'll keep your faith alive. Who knew it would be that simple? Sean, it's not. But it kind of is. Scary, but simple. The second thing too is we can surround ourselves with people who are living their faith out. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Man, if you're going to be around people who talk negative all the time, you're going to talk negative all the time. I can handle them in small doses. I'll be there to encourage them and be alive. But man, you better believe I am banking out. If I go to a place that's full of people and they're just like talking like drama, I'm, I'm, I'm like, oh, what do you know? It's my bedtime. They're like It's seven o'clock, bedtime. <laughs> because I'd much rather be in a place by myself reading God's word than about eight people who are bashing everybody else. Because I know the more I'm with that, the more I'll become like that. And I just got to surround myself with people. We, we've been building a trustee team here at our church. And I just asked God, like, what does that look like? He says, surround yourself with people who are beyond where you are. But that's intimidating. That's good because it will stretch you. Be around people who scare you how faith they are. They jump out all the time. Hang out with them. They, I would never do that. Hang out with them. It might stir something in you. It might begin to encourage you. Have you ever surrounded yourself with people? Have you ever um, been compared to someone and you're like, uh? Like it was kind of like a backhanded compliment. <laughs> like, oh, you remind me of da-da-da. And you're like, I look like that? Like, what you mean? Like, when I was in Tulsa, people would be talking about me and they'd be looking at me. And sure enough, every time they come up, they're like, Oh my gosh, are you Charlie from Lost? I was like, it got so bad that people, I would see people talking about me, like, like, across the room. And you can ask my wife. We would be somewhere. And I'd be like, I'm not Charlie from Lost. Like, oh, my gosh, because we thought you were. Like, you look just like it. I can't even imagine. Like, it got everywhere I went. I was like, it is not, I do not look like Charlie from Lost. I look like Mary from Lord of the Rings. All right? That's what I really look. <laughs> it's, just, it's the same actor, guys. It's just a better movie. Anyway, so, have you ever been compared to someone who was like, uh as we continue on in James, he literally compares you to someone that you're going to be like, what? He doesn't compare you. He compares our faith. Let me just show you what he says so that I don't say it. And you just taking it with James. James is talking about this dead and useless faith, and he compares our faith to someone else's faith. Listen to who he compares us to. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble and tear. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? James doesn't just tell us that faith without works is dead. He tells us that faith without works is a demonic faith. He just goes. And you're like, ugh. He says, even the demons believe in God. They know who God is. They know his word. Can I tell you that demons know the word more than your pastor does? They know it. They study it. They look at it. They read it. They're understanding why. So they can twist it and manipulate you to step away from what God has for you. And they want to deceive you. And he says, you know what's deceiving? People who say they have faith and they don't put it to action. Because they say, I don't trust God. When we put our faith to action, guys, it's not just a a check-to-do list. It's saying, I trust that God actually has my best intent in heart. And when I'm obedient, he's actually going to bless me for it. It's a positive thing not a discouraging thing titus would tell it this way this is another guy who wrote a book just like james his name was titus he says it this way everything is pure to those whose hearts are pure but nothing is pure to those who are corrupt and unbelieving because their minds and consciences are corrupted such people claim they know god but they deny him by the way they live they are detestable and disobedient worthless for doing anything good i'm sorry titus and james do not need to be hanging around with each other they would just be simply too much. Like, that would be, that would not, that's not going to happen. He says, people who claim they know God, but they deny him by the way they live. That's our culture this day and age. Man, it's really trendy to have a cool necklace that has the cross on it. But it's pointless if you're not living it. This is what he's saying. We live in a culture where people believe in God, but they live as if he doesn't exist. Does the way I live prove to others that God exists? Can I, can, I tell you, can I give you a challenge? Stop telling people you're a Christian. You shouldn't have to tell them. I'm a Christian. Someone put that out there. They don't, you, you shouldn't even have to put it out there. They should look at you and say, that person must follow Christ. Let someone else call you a Christian. See how long it takes. I went, well, that, was, that was discouraging. See how quick it takes. Here's what he says He says, the demons believe in God and they shudder why because they know the word but they don't live it it's a demonic faith listen though this is what breaks my heart I cried in the first I'm not going to cry in the second I probably will this is this is what breaks my heart James is saying they don't just know and they don't they tremble and tear they shudder it says they get goosebumps and they get stiff because they're scared that's what that scripture means the demons shudder James is not just comparing our faith to demonic faith he says it's actually worse How do you get that from there he's saying even the demons right even the demons at least believe in god and don't do it but they tremble people in church who say they believe in god they say i believe in god they don't do it but they don't tremble the demons believe in the power of god more than people in the church He's saying they're trembling because they know where their end game happens. He's trembling because they know that they end in the lake of fire. They're trembling because they know they're not living it and they're not doing it, but they know who God is and that they've already been defeated. But we have people in the church who live the way they want. They say they're believers of Christ, but their actions don't show it, and they don't even tremble worrying that God can take care of them. We need to realize that God is great. Listen, don't live in fear of God that he's going to smite you and everything. Like, that's not what he's saying. It says the, the, uh, the, for the wisdom of God, The wait. For the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Fear is a reverence. It's an awe. It's putting God in his place, realizing he's God and I'm not. If he says this is the way to go, it's the way because he's good. He's sovereign. He sees everything. It's an awe. It's a thing. People are like, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God this. You ain't going to ask him anything. You're going to be fought in your face worshiping him because you can't stand his magnificent almighty power. That's how good he is. And when we are in that presence, we realize, God, whatever you ask me to do, I'm going to do it. The demons don't do it and they shudder because they know where they're going. Let's not be that. Let's remind ourselves that we want to put faith and actions there. So he says, don't be like demons, be like Abraham. That's what he says in this next scripture. He says, it's demonic faith, but look at what it continues on. Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God? Listen, by his actions. If you don't know who Abraham is, I'm going to let you know in a second. When he offered his son Isaac on the altar, You see, his faith and his actions work together. His actions made his faith complete. There it is. Ready? He had faith, and it was complete by his actions. And so it happened just as scriptures say. I just cracked myself up how much I use my hands. Faith and complete. Anyways, and so it happened just as scriptures say. Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called a friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be, listen, shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. When we act out our faith, people know we're right with God. That's what he's saying. So who's Abraham? There's a song written by Abraham that we sing in the church. It was Father Abraham, have many sons, many sons have Father Abraham. I'm one of them, as so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. And everyone who was not raised in church are scared and they're going to leave this week. <laughs> Abraham was the start and the, the founding father of our faith. So when you see Abraham in scriptures, like, yeah, he was a man full of faith. God blessed him with a child at 100 years old. He couldn't have children. God said, you're going to have children. God comes through with his promise. And then when he comes through, he says, take that child and put him on the altar. Kill him. And without even thinking, Abraham loads him up and takes him to the hill. He is literally building an altar that his son is going to have to lay on he trusts God's plans are better than his plans and right before the knife hits Isaac God stops him and says stop I see that you passed this test there's a ram in the thicket sacrifice it and Isaac lives this was a picture actually of Jesus that God would put his son on the altar yet he would not refrain the knife he would actually go all the way through so we could be made right with God what kind of faith did Abraham have? He had a sacrificial faith. So what is faith He says, be like Abraham. What did Abraham do? He said, God, I trust you even when it's hard. I trust you even when it doesn't make sense. I trust that your promise far outweighs my problem. It's a sacrificial faith. So this week for you, Sean, what does my faith in action look like? It's a sacrificial faith. There's some things that you need to let go of. There's some attitudes that you need to let go of that aren't based in Scripture. There are some things and some sin that you need to let go of. Why? Because God says, I have some other things for you in return, but you have to let go of this if you want to receive this. Abraham shows us a sacrificial type of faith. My encouragement would be for you as we look at Abraham, surround yourself with people who are living in faith of sacrifice. The people who lift up their hands and worship or close their eyes and they're worshiping, they're sacrificing their ego and reputation and what people think because God delivered them. When people are serving, they're sacrificing their time. When people are giving, they're sacrificing their treasures. When people are taking care of the things in their community, they're sacrificing maybe their talent. They're using everything. They are sacrificing their time and their treasures and their talents to push the kingdom of God forward. You know what good faith looks like? It's a sacrificial faith. It's it's praising God when you don't feel like it. It's a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice. So he says, be like Abraham. Why? It's a sacrificial faith. But then... He doesn't stop with Abraham, because some of you are like, but Abraham's the founding father of our faith. It's Abraham. People in this time would be like, are you serious? Like, you're going to compare us to Abraham? First demons and now Abraham? Like, that's like two wavelengths, because Abraham was the founding father of our faith. Because Abraham stepped out in faith, they were now the children of Israel. So they looked like, there's no way we can amount to Abraham. So I love what James does next. He goes into verse 25 and he says, "Or, or think about Rahab, the prostitute, is another example Hold up, the founding father to Rahab, the prostitute. Who is grateful that God uses people like Abraham and Rahab? Because I've been Rahab too many times. She was shown to be right with God by her actions. You're like, who's Rahab? I'll tell you. She, when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. So first off, they're not saying the prostitute to belittle her. James is putting the prostitute to remind us no matter what you've done and what you've been through, God can still use you too. Your scars tell a story. Your pain has a purpose. Whatever you've been through, don't throw that out. That's your testimony to remind people where you've come from and how God used you. And you may have been an addict before, but now you're dealing hope to other people and you need to realize that God can use your story. He says, look at the prostitute. The prostitute. She didn't even have a song like Abraham. We don't sing that in childhood. Like, we're not teaching your kids that. Like, right? Prostitute Rahab had many men. Many men had prostituted Rahab. I am one. Oh, hold up! <laughs> like no, there was no song for Rahab, yet, yet in James, in James, <laughs> yet in James, he compares Abraham with Rahab. I believe we have Abrahams in here, and we have Rahabs. And don't look down on people who may be new to church, but still go through addiction. Their faith step may just be coming into the doors. And we look down, oh, they're not changing, they're this. And there's been people in the church for 20 years who have yet to move. And your faith is dying because of a lack of activity. Just like when your dead leg falls asleep because you sat on it for too long. Get back up, use it again, start working at it, do what you hear, surround yourself with other people and it will come back to life. Rahab, I can't unpack it, but Rahab is a picture of faith that pleases God instead of pleasing man. She hid messengers because Jericho's where she lived and God was going to destroy Jericho and she realized God was going to destroy it and she said listen I know God always comes through and I may not be a believer but I believe that your God is going to do what he says he can do because we've seen him doing it this whole time so she hid spies Israel people spies she hid them and that put her life at risk because she could have died by the people in Jericho and she hid them and said hey if I hide you when you come and destroy Jericho can me and my family be safe her faith was God will show up. Her actions said, I'm going to hide them even though it's going to risk my reputation with the people around me. What does Rahab say? Rahab says, I have a faith that pleases God more than people. And yeah. this culture, this is very important because there's some things culture's telling us is fine and okay and God's like not okay with it. And they say, will you be about people who please God? Here's the truth about pleasing God. When you begin to please God, you'll start displeasing people. Our faith We should move forward. Can I just talk to some parents right now? If you don't raise your kids, culture will. And there's some things in our culture that kids will be familiar with that we didn't have to be familiar with, and they'll just think it's a way of life and it's natural. We have to be parents who show them God's word and what is actually healthy and what God has for us. And it may even get us called bigots. It may get us called hurtful people. We may be people who brainwash our kids, and we may be saying all these different things. But our goal is not to please man. Our goal is to please God. That's why i can preach a message like this because i've realized in my heart as your pastor i love you i care about you but when god says preach james 2 as hard as you can because i want them to be encouraged and there's some dead faith in here that needs to be resurrected i don't come and say well it's going to be a heavy message and da, da da i'm not here to please you i love you but i'm not here to please you i'm here to please god and i believe that why i please god it's going to be pleasing to you so a faith that says i'm going to stop telling those jokes to get a good laugh from those people because that's not god's character I'm not going to keep sharing those things on Facebook that don't glorify God just because I can get more friends. I'm going to please God before pleasing people. I may not go to those movies anymore. I may not talk like that anymore. Why? Because I have faith to believe that I can trust that God is actually doing the work in me and the way he has for me is better than what anything else has for me. This isn't just a to-do list. This is the way to live. I can tell you as your pastor 10 years now, I, I'm not going to tell you everything I did, but I can tell you doing both ends of the spectrum, what I've chosen to do today is way more rewarding than what I did before. It was never fulfilling and the last thing oh i got to share this second corinthians 5 7-10 says for we live by faith not by sight we are confident i say and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the lord so we make it our goal to please him whether we are at home in the body or away from it for we must all appear before the judgment seat of christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for things done listen while in the body where we are now whether good or bad good or evil People get confused here because like, yep, that's the judgment day we meet with Christ. There's two judgments. The first judgment is the judgment of our sin. If you are in Christ, when you get to heaven and you made a decision to follow Christ, because of, your separa- because of sin separating from God, if you chose to believe in Christ, he paid the penalty of your sin. At the judgment time, they see, God's, they see the blood of Jesus Christ. And you are a child of God. Your name's in the book of life. That's exciting. That's awesome. He says, but there'll be another judgment that will be based on all the works that you did here on earth. And that will actually decide where you are in heaven. I bet you guys have never heard this theology before. Do you mean there's different houses in heaven? Yeah, you could be taking care of some landscape, or you could be living in a mansion. Now, that's a funny way of saying it, but you're like, are you serious? Yeah, God says, I see the rewards. I'm going to reward you for what you did here on earth and the good decisions you make. And so Rahab realized one thing. God can take out Jericho, or I can be killed by these people. At the end of the day, I'm not going to stand judgment to the people I went to school with. I'm not going to be stand judgment to the people I went to work with. I'm going to stand judgment to Jesus Christ. So I'm going to honor him with my life and do whatever he asked me to do. Because at the end of the day, he's going to look at my works. And he's going to say, here's what you've done. And the last thing, if we want to resurrect our faith, be like Abraham, be like Rahab, the last thing is this, check for breathing. Check for breathing. The last thing, verse 26, sex. wow, that was great. <laughs> There's no getting around that. I said it. All right, so <laughs> verse 26, just as a body is dead without breath. We're still using this podcast. This is too good not to. <laughs> just as a body is dead without breath. Listen, so also faith is dead without good works. You wanted this point to be happier. so <laughs> Faith is dead, listen, without good works. So he ends by saying this. If you look at a body and there's no breath in it, it's dead. He says, if you look at a Christian who has no faith in it, it's dead. No actions, no faith. No breath, no body. So my encouragement to you is do what I did when we first had our first baby. Every time I would go check on the baby, like I was that person, like, are they breathing? Like, right? You know, they sleep hard. They're like. <laughs> and like, they're like moving everywhere. I like put my hand underneath their nostrils. Right? Like, I'm, like, listening. I'm, like, looking at their chest and their belly, like, is there really breathing? And if they're breathing, like, okay, we're good. Like, right? And then 10 minutes later, I was the first time I met a newborn. Charlie, our second, I was like, whatever, she's fine. But, like, the first one, <laughs> the first one, I was like, Charlie's, like, jumping off couches. I'm like, yeah, she's good. So like roll it off. Shake it a little bit. You'll be good. What am I saying to you? This is the practical part for you this week. Uh, check for breathing. What does that mean check your faith for breathing i would say put an alarm on saturday or or daily or maybe at the end of the day and say did my faith have action today did i live what was preached on sunday did i live what i'm studying in scripture why because if i am not it's dying and if it's dying i need to start living check for breathing guys we get distracted our busy culture i'm telling you as a pastor i'm honest with you i do this too i have to remind myself man who did I tell about Christ this week? Who, who did, who, are, where did my faith and action go together? Begin to look. What? How do you do that? Were you retreating from things, or were you facing your fear? Because if you are retreating from things, you're operating in fear, not faith, and your faith will become dead and useless. Begin to check for breathing. Check for breathing. Worship team, you can come on up. So, my encouragement for you: here's a practical thing that you can do. Like Sean. I'm going to keep doing what God's word says me to do. I'm going to receive his grace. Obviously, this is a marathon. I'm still working on it. I'm going to surround myself with faith-filled people who are living out the promises of God. Listen, but I'm going to check for breathing. I'm going to check weekly to make sure I'm actually doing what God's asking me to do. Not to condemn myself, but to grow and be all that God has me. Because at the end of the day, I don't want to be a false advertisement of God. I want to say I believe in Christ, and I may fall short, and I'm imperfect, I'm imperfect. But my God's grace is good, but you better believe I may have fallen, but I'm going to get back up and fix that thing and become all I can be to look like Christ. Check for breathing. I'm going to bring this in because the reason why we have serving squads, the reason why we have generous people, listen, we actually create opportunities in our church for your faith to stay alive. The thing is, is you think we're asking you to serve just because we're trying to accomplish something. No, no we create opportunities for your faith to stay alive to stay active to stay around people who also have faith when you're on a squad not only are you serving like Christ did and keeping your faith alive because faith in action you're surrounding yourself like people like Abraham and Rahab when you walked in the door did you know the greater who greeted you that while she was going through breast cancer she was worshiping and praising God that he was going to come through I want to be around those people when you are going through the hardships of your life, if you're on a serving squad or you're in a group or you're involved and you're giving, listen, you're keeping your faith alive and you're surrounding yourself with people who can help push you forward. That's a practical step that some of you need to do. Well, I, I was serving, but I did this and I got hurt by it. Uh, listen, I don't know where the ins and outs of that. I know that we can talk through it, we can talk about it. But my concern as a pastor is if you're not serving in some capacity, if you're not putting any actions Your faith can die, and I don't want that for you. Put your faith into action. Serve, give, join a group, find people who hold you accountable. Look for opportunities today, but check for breathing. Lord, I thank you so much for this word. Thank you for speaking to us today. Lord, I pray right now in your presence that we would really reflect on this word. I pray, Father God, that as you begin to work in our hearts, I pray that your spirit would continue the work you already started. Lord, thank you for the grace to preach this message, to realize, Lord, we can't even operate this way if it wasn't for you saving us by dying on the cross. So I pray this week, Lord, that this would actually sit heavy on our heart, not guilt, but just heavy, to say, God, I wanna live for you. I truly believe, just like Abraham did, that sacrificial faith is the best way to live. I truly believe that pleasing you is better than pleasing man. I pray, Father God, for faith to rise up in this place. Help us to keep our faith alive by doing what you've asked us to do because you saved us, because you made us new, Lord. If you're in this place right now and you have never made a decision, I talked about two judgments. The first one is knowing if you are in Christ. Some have prayed this prayer, you made a decision, you are in Christ. You don't have to do this again. But this is for people who have never made a decision to follow Christ and you are separated from God right now. Because of our sin, we are separated from God. But Jesus came as a perfect being fully man, fully God, and he paid our penalty on the cross. But it says in scripture, we have to believe that he did and confess it with our mouth that he's the son of God. No works make us right with God. It is the blood of Jesus Christ. So if you're here and you need to make that decision today, don't hesitate. If you've already made it, praise God for you. This is for people who need to make this decision for the first time church we're going to pray together all of us to help those people who are making this decision and if you are here making that decision pray with us out loud and mean it from your heart everyone in here say father thank you for sending Jesus to die in my place I sinned I made the mistakes but you're a good God who loved me and sent his son to die for me Jesus I believe in you forgive me I choose you today. I want a brand new start. My sin gone and it's being a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. With eyes remaining closed, if you pray.